Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm your usual host, Matthew Wellington, and I'm joined tonight, um, finally, by Joe Halbert. Hello there, guys. And Thomas Robry. Hello there. Reunited for the first podcast in a while, the three of us anyway. It's, it's been a while. Um, we didn't do a live draft podcast this year, so what we thought we'd do instead was just um, basically do a little sort of draft recap and then get on to the NBA free agency, which obviously starts on Friday, which is July 1st. Um, so the 2016 NBA draft, we would have usually have done a live podcast, which usually takes about three, four hours, um, but due to work commitments and other things going on, no, no, none of us could make it. So... Unfortunately, our record of, of three straight or whatever it been, two straight, has, has been broken. Um, but we'll, we'll see what we can do next year. But it's a bit of a shame that we missed out on that one. Um, the draft this year, for me, I don't really think was too eventful. Like, I've not really been blown away by the hype of it all this year. Last year, the last two years, I've sort of really been into it. Um, but this year, not really my thing. Um, obviously, the number one pick was Ben Simmons from Australia. Went to the Philadelphia 76ers. His, his um, college team was LSU. Don't think there's much really to say about him, is there? Apart from he's the consensus number one pick. Well, yeah, he's going to be their primary ball handler. So he's a he's supposedly a generational talent. So it's no surprise they took him. Um, but I I kind of question because he's not got a very good jump shot. I question their front court now because they've still got Noel Okafor and Embiid, and none of them can really shoot that well. So it's going to be interesting to see what Brett Brown does with that roster. The only positive for um, Philadelphia is that Dario Saric, their draft pick from two years ago, I believe, today said he is going to play for them this year. So he is a shooter in the front court. So they've got that going for them, I suppose. Yeah, I guess they've been looking to sort of re-quicken up the sort of rebuild system that they had going on under Sam Hinkie. Obviously, he's gone. So now it's a case of they're going to try and win as many games as they can this season. Um, there were a lot of rumours on the night that they were going to make a trade I don't think they did in the end so kind of stacking all those players up and it's a bit odd at the moment um the second pick of the night went to my Los Angeles Lakers and we picked Brandon Ingram the forward from Duke um I, I think it was a good pick I think it was consensus number two pick as well you kind of had the top two guys in this draft Simmons and Ingram and then you and sort of everyone else fell in that category you had like a three to sort of seven eight nine sort of position then you had sort of everyone else below that so it wasn't exactly one of the most stacked drafts, not certainly like it was last year where you, you had guys like Towns just in there and then you, you had Okafor. It was it was absolutely stacked last year. This year hasn't been the same. Um, I think Ingram is going to be a good pick for the Lakers just because it fills a position we need. There's another young guy to add to what we've had like three lottery picks now in the last two, three seasons. So it's a case of just rebuilding the Lakers slowly but surely. Yeah, I think he's going to be very good. Luke Walton wants to run a, an offense similar to what the Warriors did. And obviously that's a bit of a pipe dream because not many teams can do that. But I think if he even wants to get close to it, you need a guy like Ingram. He's versatile. Uh, I actually like the Kevin Durant comparison. I don't think he's going to be that good because Kevin Durant is the best player in the in the league. But he's going to be an excellent hot take. player. He's <laughs> Yeah, well, no podcast about a hot take. But he's <laughs> he's going to be an excellent player. I like the idea of him slotting into the uh, into that small forward and maybe even a powerful position alongside D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, and a probable free agent because the Lakers actually are an attractive proposition now for free agents because they got some talent. In terms of how he plays, I think Brandon Ingram, for me, he was the the best player in the draft. I think he's the most versatile. He's one hell of a scorer. He can do everything. He can hit the three. He can drive. He can dunk. 
He's my way too early pick for rookie of the year. Uh, he's phenomenal. He'll slot into that Lakers team, probably start and upgrade them straight away. He's that good. Yeah, the one thing that, if anything, I'm a little bit worried about is just his his build. But muscle, he's you now he's 190 pounds at the moment. I I gather he will spend most of the summer putting on muscle and try and end the league sort of 200 pounds or above. Um, because you can get bo- you can get bullied and bossed around in the NBA. Um, Durant saw that for his first few years when he was with the uh, Seattle Supersonics. But he's six foot nine. He's going to cause problems. I think he averaged something like 17 points a game in college. So I think it's a good pick for the Lakers. It's just a case of what we do to build around him. And I'd rather sort of not panic and you know chuck money at people than sort of mess it all up again, which is which is the case of the Boston Celtics, who actually had the third pick. So <laughs> all the time that they've been going on about you know stacking up draft picks and it wasn't exactly the greatest draft um, in the end for the Boston Celtics and Danny Ainge um, so the number third pick was Jalen Brown as I mentioned um, from book, from Brooklyn part of that Ray Allen Kevin Garnett deal from a few years ago uh, not Ray Allen um, Paul Pierce and um, he went to the Boston Celtics yeah it was, um, it was a strange one because they were expected to take Chris Dunn because they were trying to use that number three pick to get either Jimmy Butler or another enticing player or star player if you like I kind of I like the Brown pick. He reminds me a lot of Jason Richardson. If I had to make a comparison, I think he's going to slot well into Brad Stevens's offense. Uh, he's not an incredible shooter, in my opinion, but I think he I think Brad Stevens has shown he can work on guys' jump shots. They've obviously got someone in their coaching ranks who does that because a few people have gone there and improved, such as Jay Crowder. Um, I'm glad they did that and then trophy. But I think I think you win in the NBA by developing your own talent and. They kind of need a good player because for me, outside of Isaiah Thomas, they've just got a bunch of role players. I think they need someone who can develop into a star, and I think Jalen Brown might become that for them. The the reason I believe they selected him, or not the reason, but one of the reasons, is every year they do like a Boston marathon where they get all their prospects to run however long, and he crushed it. He was the best one in that. He was amazing. Apparently, in um, the shoot around they had, he hit like 78 out of 100 shots, which was far better than anybody expected him to shoot. And he, he should just slot into that team. He's going to be. A, you look at all the other draft picks they've had in recent years Marcus Smart, Fab Mello. They whiffed under Ainge. I think Jalen Brown has a chance to be their, dra- their best draft prospect in the last three or four seasons. He, he could be very good for them. I guess the big question is, because we will have a lot of them this thing, the Celtics are a very popular franchise, is if you're a Celtics fan, are you are you happy with this pick or are you kind of let down by the fact that you couldn't actually get into that top two in the first place? I don't think they'll be disappointed they can get into the top two. but Well, that's what they've been touting for the last few years, is we're going to get you know a number one or a number two pick and that gives you the best chance of getting the best player, effectively. And they've, they've busted out twice. Yeah, I guess you're right. They're probably disappointed because the Nets were a bad team but they, but they were sadly for them two teams worse than them last year. They've been banking on this pick for a couple of years, haven't they? Source certainly since Brooklyn blew it up last year. So I I wouldn't be disappointed if I was them because you look at the prospects that have gone below them as well. I kind of think this was the best guy they could have gotten because they don't really need Chris Dunn. I'm not sure they need Buddy Hield or Jamal Murray either. So they've just got to live with it and and move forward. I don't see why they'd be disappointed. You look at all the players they drafted this year. You look at all the assets they've got. They've still got all the tools in the world to make a big trade happen. So I don't think it matters who they got. They were gonna. They could still make a big trade, which will change their franchise for the better. 
Speaking of changing a franchise for the better, the fourth pick was uh, a European, so a bit of an international theme already. Obviously, an Australian guy in the number one pick was a is is incredible, really, when you when you put it in perspective. Um, but we had a Croatian go at number four, um, Dragon Bender to the Phoenix Suns. Nearly said Philadelphia 76ers there. I don't know why. Um, he used to play for Maccabi Tel Aviv. I think he's a two-time Israeli state champion. He won the Israeli. He was an Israeli league all-star last season. Um, really, really good, talented, seven-foot power forward slash centre coming out of Croatia. I think he's going to have an impact on the league. Um, already, everyone's making comparisons to Pozingis, but we'll have to see. We'll have to wait and see because obviously Pozingis was a bit of a mixed bag when he when he first started out. Yeah, I'm gonna, oh, sorry, I'm going to put it out there. He's not Kristaps Pozingis. I watched a lot of Tel Aviv. He's not the defender Pozingis was. He didn't play at the same level Pozingis did when he was with Sevilla. He's a phenomenal shooter. He plays more of a as a small forward and power forward rather than at centre, but he can't play centre. And he's going to go in. He's an immediate upgrade on John Lua, who's a good player, and whichever Morris they had at power forward. Uh, he's a very, very good player, but he is not Kristaps Porzingis, and he's not Dirk Nowitzki. So I really hope those comparisons stop. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> The dirt comparison standard every year. Like if it's a European and if he's like six, six eleven or seven foot, you know, he, he's got to be dirt, right? <laughs> yeah, those comparisons are just they're kind of annoying and lazy now. But I, I like this pick. I obviously don't like the one after, which we'll get to shortly. I assume whenever, uh, whenever we decide to stick that Chris pick in it. But I'm, I'm the thing I'm interested to see is Thomas is saying that they see him as a. A three or a four, maybe. Um, no, that played for Tel Aviv. He yeah, played as a three and a four. So that I'm going to be interested to see which one they play him at more, because obviously Marquis Chris is a power forward. They've got Alex Len at centre, who I think is a very, very good player. So if they see Bender as a three, their draft to me makes sense. But if they don't, then their draft makes zero sense to me. I guess it's a big gamble from the Suns. I mean, they've they've not had the brightest of years the last two years. There was a case of where they almost looked like they were going to be a playoff team, and then it didn't happen. And they made a couple of moves, and last year they they weren't good at all. So it's a gamble, but if it pays off, then you know the seal is high for the kid. Um, the fifth pick, as Joe was trying to get to, was for his Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Chris Dunn out of Providence. Yeah, it was a strange one because we were obviously linked with Jimmy Butler, and also Boston were rumored to wanting Chris Dunn so when obviously when they when Boston chose Brown I kind of knew we were ending up with Chris Dunn and I'm pretty pleased he gets compared to John Wall a lot and I kind of see it because John Wall's net he's developed a jump shot now but he's not really like a jump shooting point guard he's very aggressive getting to the rim very smart at reading screens reading defenses to slash into the paint and I think it's a good pick the only thing that concerns me is I don't know what this means for Ricky Rubio because neither of them have a good enough shot to play off of the ball, so I'm look. Dunn is a long-term prospect, so we could still keep Rubio feasibly for two or three years before before moving him. But it's disappointing because I think he's a very underrated player. Completely agree. Um, I really like Chris Dunn. He's by far the best pure point guard prospect in this draft. Like Joe's already pointed out, he does not have a good shot at all. But he played above himself at college. He I mean, he elevated Providence to probably a place they've not been before. He could develop a shot because he's, I think he was one of the older prospects at 22, I believe. But he can still develop a shot, whereas Rubio, I think he is what he is. So I think give him, give him a season or two develop behind Rubio and then he'll take over. 
which I agree with Joe Rubio. He's a hell of a player. I wouldn't move him. He's one of the best defensive players at his position. But you've got to build for the future, and Chris Dunn might just be the answer. I guess the advantage Thibodeau's thinking now is if he takes him, then he has got an asset, effectively. I think that's the way that Joe and probably a lot of other Timberwolves fans would look at it. Is Chris Dunn, you know, he's not played yet, so we're not sure what he's capable of. So there's still a bit of mystique with him. So come July, you know, he could be sort of thrown in if there's any trades that are going on. I mean, the trades started early this year. They kind of just, you know, before the draft, there were trades being made. And then you had trades uh, trades on draft night and we've had trades since then. So it's a case of if you've got a pick and you, you, you've you got a chance to take a good, talented player, then I think you, you keep him and you stash him. And if you play him, you play him. If you don't, you can utilise him and move him on in the future. Um, the sixth pick was Buddy uh, Buddy Heald for the Bahamas. He went to the New Orleans Pen- uh, Pelicans. He played for Oklahoma in college. Um, interesting pick, this one, a shooting guard going to the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, yeah, they've needed shooting, haven't they? Because Alvin Gentry runs that offense that just bombs three points. They didn't have anyone for it because they were banking on Eric Gordon playing well. He didn't. He was dreadful last year, but he's finally out of there. Buddy Heald, I think, I think sh- sort of pure scorers always get a bit overrated coming into the NBA. But I think this guy is going to be a tremendous talent in that offense because he's not going to have any extra responsibility in the first year. He's literally just going to be told to shoot the ball because they've got ball handlers and they've got a star. So I think this was the perfect situation for him because there's not actually a lot of pressure on him. Annoyingly, I agree because I, I was not <laughs> a fan of no, I was not a fan of Buddy Heald going in. A lot of people had him to Denver. It was the consensus, and I prayed that New Orleans took him. Because A, he fits the system. Like Joe said, Gentry needs shooting. And that's what Buddy Heald brings. I wasn't a fan because he scored a lot in college, but it's because he took a lot of shots. Which I don't think can translate if you've got to hit take that many shots. But in Gentry's system, as Joe said, all he has to do is shoot. He's in the perfect situation for him. And I'm glad he's not in Denver. No, but there you pick next, so you, you you almost you almost ended up with the guy that you didn't want. <laughs> um, seventh was Jamal Murray out of Canada, played for Kentucky. A lot of Canadians going through the NBA draft the last sort of four or five years. Really, that country's just expanded. Um, so the Denver Nuggets, obviously their pick, courtesy of the New York Knicks. Um, God, does that go all the way back to the Mellow trade? It must do. Yes, it does. Yeah, that's that's a stack pick, man. That's like NBA history. Moving forward, um, six foot four shooting guard, age nineteen. I, I, I think he's going to be good, and I think he fits your system. I, you've got a really young core there. Can partner Emmanuel Mudiay, um, Nikola Jokic. I just think that you've got a really like in terms of the way you go in the Western Conference, it's always going to be tough to play in, but you've got to put yourself in a really good situation. Yeah, Tim Connolly has nailed it since he's become our general manager. The draft, I mean, Nikola Jokic, Yusuf Nurkic, Emmanuel Moudier, and then you've got this year's players, which obviously start to Jamal Murray. beauty of Murray is he's a combo guard, so he can play with both Moudier, but he can also play alongside Gary Harris or Malik Beasley, who we picked at 19. I, I just think it's a terrific fit. He can shoot the three ridiculously well. I think he was 38% in college. Uh, he's just going to slot in, and he can handle the ball. He can shoot. He's everything we needed in our backcourt, and I cannot wait to see him play in Denver. Yeah, I, I like this pick. I think Mike Malone, or Michael Malone, doesn't like being called Mike. I think he likes 
I think so. I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> I think he wants to make the offense a bit more versatile, and I think Murray brings them that more than Heald would have. Heald is just a flat-out shooter, whereas Murray, you know, I think he can drive a bit more. I think he's an okay passer as well. So I like this pick, and they—they they, to be honest, they needed a long-term guy next to um, Emmanuel Mudiay. Gary Harris is, I—I I think he's all right, but I don't think he's as good as Murray will be. I—I kind of see him becoming like a JJ Redick. That's probably his best case scenario. If not, Kevin Martin. I know a lot of people don't like him, but you know he's averaged like twenty points a game over his career. So I kind of, I kind of like that fit because they've already got some good pieces. Denver. They just need to complement them, and I think the best way to do that is to get guys in who are versatile, but most importantly can shoot. Well, all of the Denver media I know who have been at Pepsi Center, they've been in it around in and around the team. They've all said that the team, Murray was their guy. It was obviously Simmons and Ingram, and then Murray was the realistic guy they wanted. And they, apparently he's projected to become the start at day one. That's the ex- expectations they have for him. So I, I think he's going to be great. He's going to step in. And I've got a feeling Gary Harris is going to be traded. It's not that shocking because, like, the guys that come out of Kentucky, you know, they're coached by John Calipari. They tend to be quite well-rounded and quite ready to just sort of step up and play in the NBA. And I just think he's going to do that. Halfway through the season, I remember I I watched a little bit of college basketball because it was on BT Sport over here. But I seem to remember he was one of the guys who was on, like, the Naismith Trophy watch list at the halfway point of the year. He fell off it towards the end. But if you're on that list midway through the season, you've obviously got something, you know, about you that's going to kick you over the edge and, and turn you into some form of productive role player like you mentioned with Kevin Martin I think he's going to be a solid player and he definitely fits the system the eighth pick was Marquise Chris um, or Marquise Chris sorry um, from the United States he went to the Sacramento Kings was then traded to the Phoenix Suns um, he played for Washington this was an interesting pick and the Suns just sort of Stacking up on players, really. Yeah, they're probably trying to get assets because they are a team that, to be honest, I think they're just stacking their front court actually because they got a good back court. The front court has kind of been a bit of a mess. You know, the Tyson Chandler signing didn't work out. Markeith Morris was a a PR disaster, and we've not seen enough for me from Alex Len. I think he's a good player, but I think they've he's not been as good as they expected. So yeah, they're really hyped. He was indeed, I think he went fifth in the draft out of Maryland. So they're just trying to get some assets. And also, I think part of it, he gets compared a lot to Amari Stoudemire. And obviously, he's one of their best ever players. So maybe there's a bit of that in there. You'd think their draft policy was a bit more complex than that. But I kind of think that they see him as maybe a new Amari Stoudemire for that team. I I just didn't get, unless they do plan on moving Bender to the three or uh, put him up centre. I just didn't get doubling down on a position you drafted at four. To me, it made no sense. I know they gave they, they didn't give up much in the trade, did they? But I, I don't know. I, I I like Chris. I think he can develop. There was a bit of hype towards the end of the process where he was supposedly going to go to Boston at three, which was ridiculous. But if they're drafting him because he might be Amari Stoudemire, he's still very young and got a long way to develop. They're probably taking him a bit too high. I think he would have been there where they were, where they were originally drafting. Okay, the number nine pick in the draft was uh, Jacob Potel out of Austria. He went to the Toronto Raptors, which is a pick that came from New York and then went to Denver and then ended up with the Raptors. Um, he played his college basketball in Utah, 
but he wasn't there very long. He spent a lot of his time over here in, in Europe. Um, he's only been in Utah since 2014. He's seven foot one, about 240 pounds. The kid can play. He won the Kareem Abdul Jabbar uh, Award a few years ago, averaged 17 points and nine rebounds a game during his college season. I think he's going to be a, he's going to be a hit, and the Raptors, you know, need a nice solid backup big man to to help out with Valanciunas. Oh, this guy's damn good. I really like him. Uh, some sort is a reach. I think Jalen Rose, not that he knows a lot about basketball, but he said this was a big reach, and I kind of I see where he's coming from, but I don't believe in reaching because if you like a player, you should go after them. It kind of reminds me of Timothy Moskov, a little bit more mobile. But yeah. this, this guy can get up and down the floor. And I think that was one of the things Toronto lacked last year. They were like 29th in pace, I think. So they need they needed to get a bit younger for me in the front court. Because now on that bench unit, if you think they've got Patterson and Potal playing together, it means they can go a bit more up-tempo and, and throw something different at their opponent. Because obviously their, their starting five is a bit more half-court. Well, they're going to lose Bismarck Biombo, So they needed to replace that. And they needed somebody to give Valanciunas time on the bench, and Potal plays very similar to Valanciunas, only he's a lot more mobile than both of the centres they previously had. What I'd like, like about him is in college, he always played the big guys. Like He played against Demontis Sabonis, who could have gone in this pick. A lot of people had him there, and he destroyed him. He got the best of him. He tended to get the best of most matchups in college. He's going to be very, very good. And what I love about Masai Ujiri is he doesn't care. He's going to pick his player wherever he is, and he doesn't care where they are on the draft board. And I've got to respect him and Toronto for that because they've got a great player. Yeah, but then they've got guys like Bruno Cabolo, who's just sort of been hanging around for a few years. <laughs> well, Fran Fraschilla said that Bruno Cabocolo was two years away from being two years away. That was two, <laughs> years. That was two years ago, so he's still two years away from being ready. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the NBA um, the 10th pick and the last pick that we will go through because we don't want to go through the whole draft because it takes forever um, is a bit of a, a bit of an odd one a bit of an enigma um, Thon Maker out of Australia he went to the Milwaukee Bucks um, a lot of debate as to where, as to how old he is um, he's down as being 19 I think on Wikipedia or whatever um, 7 foot 1 big power forward I think he's going to he's going to have an impact on the Bucks it's a, it's a weird pick though considering the sort of the rotations of their team at the moment They've got Monroe, Parker, Antetokounmpo, Fonmaker, John Henson, and I think one of the very many Plumley brothers. He's getting a lot of comparisons to Kevin Garnett, which I'm not really a fan of. But he's super athletic, super long, and could develop. If he's only 19, he's got a long development. If he's 22, it's just a little bit shorter. But he could be very, very, very good. I obviously think the reason they draft him is because he can shoot. Because you look at their front court, Jabari's not really got a very good jump shot. I know Giannis is moving to point guard, but that's another guy on the roster who hasn't really got much of a jump shot. John Henson's a board-bashing centre. Plumlee's not very good at basketball. And Greg Monroe is probably going to get traded. So, you know, you get you get Von Maker and it opens up their floor spacing a bit. Again, as I've said, I don't believe in reaching, but a lot of people saw this one as a big reach. But they needed to do something different, Milwaukee, because last year they were atrocious to watch and they had to improve that floor spacing. And to be honest, there's not anyone else there who would have improved it more, in my opinion. I'm just slightly confused as to how nobody knows his age. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's 
he was from, I think it was Congo or something, and then he moved to Australia, but then he moved to America for a while and then played his final year of high school basketball in Canada. Right. So he's literally been everywhere. And yeah, that's just, that's a bit confusing. But nobody is quite sure about how old he is. Cause there's a guy who was a Canadian prospect who turned out he was 34 years old and he was playing in yeah, the high school. Yeah, I saw that. So, so yeah. if, if you're from Africa and you're moving around like that, it's going to be hard to pinpoint your exact birthday, I suppose. Okay, so we've done the top 10, but I guess we should probably mention the number 11 pick because he was involved in the largest trade of the night. Um, DeMontis Sabonis obviously traded uh, from the Orlando Magic to the Oklahoma City Thunder as part of that Serge Ibaka, um, Victor Oladipo, Ersan Ilyasova deal. Um well, we'll get onto the trade just afterwards, but in terms of the pick, I think it's great. The guy's a banger. It's going to fit really well with Steven Adams. Um, and you've got to go out and credit Sam Presti for the way he's, he's had the balls to go out and make yet another move in an attempt to, to strengthen and deepen that Thunder roster. Yeah, I really like, obviously, the trade. Just talking about Sabonis, he reminds me of kind of Louis Scola. I'm not just saying that because he's an international player, but he can... He's quite versatile. He can shoot a jump shot, which I think the Thunder needs because Ibaka was he was very important in the playoffs, not for just his defense but his offense. And they're obviously losing that, but they're gaining Vic Oladipo. Um, yeah, I like the moves that that Sam Presti has made. But you know, we all knew he was one of the best GMs in the league. In terms of the Sabonis pick, I, I, all the way through the process, I had him. His comp was Luis Scola. He plays like Scola. He's a great defender. And he can develop offensively into a similar type of game as Scola. I was not expecting Sam Presti to be this aggressive. And it's a way to... What he's managed to do with the players he got was... He's got pieces that might be attractive to Kevin Durant. But also, if Durant does decide to leave and if Westbrook leaves next year, he has still got Stephen Adams, Victor Oladipo, Cameron Payne. So he's still got a young core of players that should keep Oklahoma competitive. So... if he keeps him, great. If he doesn't keep him, okay, it's going to suck, but they've still got a good foundation. I love the trade all round for um, Oklahoma City. Well done, then. Yeah, I think the trade is like the well, probably the bigger, probably overshadowed the whole draft night, really. You had like the top two, three picks, and then after that, it was just sort of the consensus order until you got out of that first sort of 10 to 12 picks. Um, the trade came in, and obviously at the time, it was a case of everyone was freaking out. It was like, wow, they've actually got rid of a Barker. Um, Durant's come out since and said it won't have an impact on his decision. Um, he also thinks it's a good move from the organization. So I guess that he, he must have been involved in this. Like, there's no way you trade Serge Ibaka, who's like your third star effectively. Um, cause, you know, Steve Adams is the third star, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But Ibaka was like the third guy for them. And it was a case of you trade him away. Um, bring in assets. Victor Oladipo, I think he's going to instantly help them out. He can create his own shot. He can score off the dribble. He's he's just a great player. He's the best shooting guard they've had in a, in a long while. He's arguably better than James Harden as well because he can play both ends of the court, um, which James Harden wasn't exactly great at and still isn't great at. Um, Ersan Ilyasova, whether they keep him or not, I don't they've know. They've already picked up his. They've given they've given cash. He's staying with them. Thank God Straight for that. He's a time. he's a great player. Great great guy to have there um, at the power forward spot. And I just think if you bring in um, Sabonis, there we go. I'll get used to these European names eventually. <laughs> it's like Anton Tacumpo when we were doing it last year. It's like we we're all having like wars as to who can pronounce it properly. But I think that he'll come in and, and have a good impact. Even if he doesn't play big minutes, he'll just help out 
Um, but I think they've really strengthened for what is going to be a big run in the free agency. Um, so obviously we need to get onto that. Kevin Durant is obviously the consensus number one top um, free agent of the 2016 free agency period, which starts on Friday. Um, he's unrestricted, which means he can go wherever the hell he likes. Um, it's the first time he's hit free agency in his prime. So it's a big decision for him. Stay in, stay in Oklahoma and, you know, fight for championships in the Western Conference, or he's got the option to move out east now. I think the New York Knicks have made themselves quite an interesting proposition. Um, with Even after the Derrick Rose trade, they've sort of strengthened themselves. Um, what they'll be able to put around him if he did go there, I don't know, because they wouldn't have a lot of money left. Um, but his options are... There's, there's tons of options. He's ruled out the Lakers. He's ruled out the Wizards, which is really funny because go back a couple of months and all we were going on about was whether he'll go to the Wizards or not, which is his hometown team. That's quite clearly not going to happen. San Antonio are an option. Um, we'll have to see what happens with Tim Duncan. Who knows? He could go there, fit in quite well, I think. It'd be interesting to see how they'd work that whole situation out with the, the Marcus Aldridge playing power forward, whether he'd move to centre and you'd have Durant playing like a, a stretch four-ish type role. I don't know. Um, I don't think that would suit him anyway. And then he's got the option of obviously joining the Warriors, which is the team that knocked his team out in game seven of the Western Conference Finals this year. So big decisions coming up for Kevin Durant. He should join the Miami Heat, and I think he will. I don't know if any of you read Bill Simmons' column. It was on Pat Riley, and he just said, Pat Riley's, if he lands Kevin Durant, it will be the cherry on top of his career, because like that, he literally does get what he wants, Pat Riley. And I think that's where he should go. I think if he went to the Warriors, I think that would make him a sellout, because he deserves his own team. He was never going to get that in OKC, because even though he's better than Westbrook, that is Westbrook's team because he's more of a sort of dominating personality than Durant is. If he goes to Miami, that's his team because Wade Wade isn't what he was. No, Wade could also... Wade has been shopping the idea he might be leaving as well, which would yeah. open the room for Durant. Indeed. So, And also he gets to work under a, a much better coach than, I'm going to say it, Spolstra is better than Kerr and Donovan. And he gets the best GM in the league who always puts good talent around his stars. He's done it for years. That's where I think he he should go. But my my head says he'll stay in Oklahoma City. It makes sense financially for him to stay in Oklahoma City. Because I believe if he signs a max this year, it'd be something like $175 million. Whereas if he stayed one more year, it bumps up to like $210 million, something ridiculous like that. And the max he can get anywhere else is 144 Yeah, so... I mean, it makes sense to sign a one-and-one like LeBron James does. Opt out of it next year and just break it up because Russell Westbrook's a free agent. He's going to be a free agent. They may as well. Most of this team is going to stick together that they've currently got in Oklahoma City. Oladipo's an upgrade on Randy Bloody Foy, right? <laughs> so bonus and Ilyasova. That is a good combination to have off the bench to replace Ibaka. They've still got Mitch McGarry. They've still got Steven Adams. They've still got Andre Robertson. They've still got Cameron Payne. Why wouldn't you stick with that team, have one more run at it? Because Donovan, he actually coached his ass off in the playoffs. He coached really well. I just don't see the point in giving up now when you were only a game away from the NBA Finals. I, yeah, I don't see the point in leaving. They're too stacked to give up on. I like Even if you do get an option to go to the Warriors, that's going to be a drastically different team. They've got their own questions to ask this summer with regards to what they do with the likes of Harrison Barnes, 
and Sean Livingston, who they've actually said they're going to come out and make him a priority. So that, you know, then you have to question what's going on with everybody else. Bogut doesn't exactly look like he's going to be that much of a force over the next couple of years. Um, he didn't have a great final series, even though he went after he went out, obviously. But the first two games in that final series, I thought he got played off the court. Um, so I think if you're, if you're taking a smart decision, you take the one year option and then you test it again next year with your best mate, Russell Westbrook and Toe, and you might even get a chance to go to the same team in a bigger market if that's what you both want to do. But we've seen Durant come out recently and say, or the last few years and say that the problem with the Thunder is that they can't attract sort of the big name free agents. They had a chance two years ago to um, sign Pau Gasol after he left the Lakers and they completely opted out. And Pau's excuse was that Oklahoma doesn't have enough sort of theatre and enough, I don't know, culture for for his his personality. I don't see KD being that sort of guy. But the whole situation with the Knicks and what that Phil Jackson's gone and done over there is he's made a power play and it throws everything up in the air because if you get an option to go and play for, you know, you've already said you're not going to play for the Lakers, which is fair enough, and you're not going to play for the Wizards because the, the pressure of going home is too much. But you get like the Garden, Madison Square Garden, you get Camelo Anthony to play with, Chris Tapswazingis, Derek Rose, like, and maybe Aaron Afollo. It depends on what who they who they put around him. That's a really intriguing proposition, and you're going to effectively be the guy who carries them and is going to take on that that sort of Camelo Anthony role of being the star because Camelo's getting getting on a bit and he's going to take a declining role. Um, so I think that the Knicks suddenly become a really interesting proposition. But the the biggest problem I have with them is because they're such a dark horse, I don't know who they'd be able to fit around him. It'd be a case of what we saw with the 2010 Miami Heat was they went out and they got Chris Bosh, re-signed Dwayne Wade and grabbed LeBron James and then they just had to fill it with role players. I think they'd be doing something similar. I think the Miami option, like Joe said, is a fantastic option. The only issue you've got there is Hassan Whiteside has not exactly been very, very, I don't know, great with his words about the organisation. He's kind of like oh, I'm going to go out there and see what everyone's going to give me because a few years ago I couldn't pay my mortgage. Um, that's not exactly a lot of loyalty there from him um, considering he's rejuvenated his career there and they've given him a chance. Um, and if Wade obviously goes, then that team looks completely different. But if you stay and you know Chris Bosch becomes, comes back and God help he does, that's a really scary starting five if they do sign um, Durant. But the other option is, I guess, is that maybe they get Durant and Horford. That would be an interesting one. Yeah, I don't think they'll be too worried if Whiteside leaves, they can land Durant. No disrespect to Whiteside, but he's not the same level. Uh, and also, the the centre market this off-season, it's not too bad. They could even get Joakim Noah is available. Yeah. Um, Al Jefferson would be a strange fit, but he's available. There's some like there's some good players out there. I don't think... I, I wouldn't give Whiteside a max anyway. I don't think he's worth it. I'd rather get Dwight Howard. I'd rather even get Yamahimi or uh, Zaza Pachulia on a smaller deal. I, I don't see the fuss with, with Whiteside. I'm glad someone else was saying that because I, I, I wrote an article the other day, which some of you may have read. Um, the website's currently under a revamp, so you might not be able to read it at the moment, <laughs> um, which is shooting myself in the foot, really. But I put on there that like, even though I'm a Lakers fan and like a couple of years ago I wasn't the biggest fan of Dwight Howard when he left, I'd still probably rather take him over Hassan Whiteside. Yes, I know Whiteside's got the ceiling, but Dwight is still fairly consistent in this league. He's still one of the better centers, even though he's had a few off years. Obviously, he didn't get, he didn't have much fun playing with James Harden the last couple of seasons, and it all sort of blew up and it, it exploded this year. Um, so I think if you can get Dwight on a cheaper contract, because he's not going to get the max, he thinks he's worth the max, but no one's going to give him the max. Um, 
So I think if you did have the option of, you know, partnering him with like KD and Dragic and maybe Bosch and some of the younger guys they've got there, it's good. I think that'd be a real, you know, a tasty proposition, but there's quite a few, there's, there's, you know, there's good options for him, isn't there? There's, there's, it's not a case of Oklahoma is probably the clear winner. There's quite a few, depending on your mindset and your mentality, what you want to do. I think the options are quite good for him. <laughs> it's a career decision. It's going to be the toughest he'll ever have to make. But join, join Pat Riley. That's what I'd do. <laughs> do LeBron James. I just hope he doesn't have a press conference similar where he says I'm taking oh, my God. to South Beach. Because <laughs> that would be horrendous. You can't go through that again. That's not him, though. Like He's never no, been that no. big ego guy. LeBron, even when he came in the league, was that big ego guy. Um Dwight Howard, we've obviously mentioned him a little bit. I think we should probably skip him because uh, there's quite a few other players we can talk about. Mike Conley, um, the best point guard available in the draft. Where the hell do you think he goes? Because he's, I don't think he's too confident in re-signing with the Grizzlies because they're not exactly the biggest, most attractive free agent destination at the moment. They had a lot of problems this year and they've always been that team that was there and thereabouts and never got over the edge. Kind of like the Thunder. So where do you think Mike Conley ends up? Miami. I've seen a lot a lot of people on Twitter, there's a lot of rumours that Miami are attempting to do a sign-and-trade with Memphis. So obviously Memphis would sign Conley and trade him over for Drogic. And I think in that case, if Miami got Conley, potentially keep Wade, Ambosh and Durant, that is a phenomenally good team. But if, he does, if that doesn't happen, Brooklyn, he's apparently got interest in Brooklyn. Yeah, so is Rondo, but it's not really a mark of how, how great the organisation is, is it? No, but you know Brooklyn have got to start somewhere, and if you can go... I, I don't know why you'd leave Memphis, who always contend for Brooklyn, but I don't know, because New York made a lot of sense before they made the Derrick Rose trade, and then that threw everything up. Yeah, the Rose trade's odd, because even though they've made that trade, they're still going on about possibly acquiring Jeremy Lin. Or possibly, you know, Raja Armando said he'd only go to two teams and that'd be the Knicks and Brooklyn. It's like, well, I don't really think they're going to commit to you considering the other options they've got available, but it's the Knicks and we never really quite know what's going to happen. So who knows? I, I think Mike Conley will go to Dallas. I think they'll find, yeah, no, yeah. I think they'll finally get their big free agent because unlike all the people who don't go to them, he's not an idiot. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why pe- more people don't join Dallas. I, I don't get it. You work What's their like- cap room like? Because could, is there a chance they could get Mike Conley and then pair him with Mahinmi, Biombo, Mozgov, that type of player? Yeah, because Chandler Parsons has opted out, and they're not going to give him a max deal. Yeah, can we talk Chandler Mar- Parsons? He's not a max player. I don't know why he thinks he is. No, but oh, he's a very, see, very good player. Somebody tweeted him that. Yeah, Somebody so, tweeted him that, and yeah, he just replied, "Because I'm a great basketball player." <laughs> yeah, that was funny. The the only thing, like, if you're Chandler Parsons, right? First of all, stay healthy. Second of all, when you sign this contract, don't be in the club with the owner. <laughs> <laughs> just do it in an office, because I don't want to see pictures of him near a DJ booth signing a contract. Right? Grow up. I think I, Dallas is a really good choice. Like Rick Carlisle is, he's my favorite coach in the whole of the NBA. And he I'm hates point that, guards, though. He does, but but, but he makes them look, look at good. the choices of point guards he's had. But they made. Oh, the play- you're trying to say Ray Felton wasn't good? Yes, they made the playoffs last year with a platoon of Raymond Felton, JJ Barea, 
and like the yeah, that, that, and the the remains of Theron Williams. So imagine what he could do with Mike Conley. Yeah. I know. I, I completely understand. The fit is fantastic. I just does he want an elite point guard, or does he want a point guard that because he's a playbook coach, whereas Conley's he can you know he can be a bit more versatile than most other players. Would he want a point guard that just runs his system, or would he want somebody who could like float around and do whatever they want? I think if they had a chance, you know, if Mike Conley says, "Yeah, I want to join you, Mark Cuban." I think Rick Carlisle would, would adapt. I just think that's the kind of coach he is. Yeah, he tried really hard to get Rondo to fit into the system last year, and it, it didn't work out. Like We saw sparks of games where it looked like he'd really get the most out of him, but when it got to that playoff run and it, came, it really came down to it, it just wasn't there. I think that Conley's got a really dynamic play style. I think he will adapt to the role that's... You know, and, and Rick Carlisle's got a little bit of a rigid system there. It's kind of you come in, you do what I tell you to do. Um, and we saw it with Vince Carter, like Vince Carter came in and was like the guy, you know, was arguably the biggest name on that team, um, after Dwight, after, after Dwight, sorry, after Dirk. Um, and he sort of adapted himself and turned himself into that player that has, you know, gone on and is still playing today. So I think that Dallas is a really good fit and they could get him and they could possibly grab another, you know, another free agent. I don't know whether it'd be another big name, but like they always seem to want to get Dwight Howard. Um, if you're going to get him, then this year's your better chance than any because you're probably not going to have to pay him. Well, he's going to want to get paid, but you're not going to give him that much. So that could be another option. But there's so many good guys available. Like we talked about Al Horford briefly. Um, Pau Gasol's announced today, I think, or yesterday, that he's opted out with the Chicago Bulls. He's going be, to San Antonio. He's an interesting fit wherever he goes. I think the Warriors makes kind of more sense than San Antonio, but that's just me. Because I think if you go to San Antonio, you're stacked behind LaMarcus Aldridge and Tim Duncan. And He's going to play at centre, though, and Tim's playing less and less minutes, whereas Power's still averaging 16 points and something like nine rebounds. Yeah. To play LaMarcus at the four, Power at the five. That could that could be Golden State if Boga is the cripple he looked in the playoffs. <laughs> Apologies to Andrew Boga. He'll beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, Ryan Anderson. He's an interesting one. Where do you th- guys think he goes? Because like, for me, if you've got a stretch four in the NBA, like the way the league's going, I don't think you can afford to not have him. Um, Sacramento. So, yeah, I was going to say something. He's a God. Sacramento don't kid. It's where he's from. Don't ruin That's your career. Yeah, now, it's going to ruin his career, but let's be honest, since he's won, he won most improved player, he's not really done very much. So he may as well go home. He's a home t- to be a hometown move for him. And he can... Sp- slot into that lineup and play next to Rudy Gay if they don't move him and he can play alongside Cousins and it gives Scalabissier time to develop I think it's a perfect fit for him yeah I I think they need some shooting because Cousins was Cousins can step out he did it okay last year but I still on fire for the start of the year he was but I think that was because George Carl didn't run a system he just went (laughs) you know do whatever the hell you want out there but I like the fit, and to be honest, the Kings, I could see the Kings overpaying him because that's just what the Kings do. Like drafting a centre no one's heard of in the lottery when everyone predicts him second round. They yeah. they don't do anything by the book, but I, I like Anderson, but the thing that worries me is his defence. He's like really, really bad. He, he can't even switch on to guards. He's worse than Kevin Love, so 
that's why a lot of people are linking him to Detroit, and I just don't see it because I know he played under Van Gundy once, but I don't think Van Gundy would tolerate that defense anymore. Do you think it's worth touching upon some of the sort of maybe lesser named free agents like you know Dion Waiters and what about like Al Horford or Kent Bazemore? Yeah, Kent Bazemore. Like the Lakers were really interested in bringing him back, which I quite like, but I don't know how much you'd pay him. I think I think he's being quoted about four years, seventy million. Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure about that one. But like he's developed the last few years since he left us in the first place. I think he's really come on, you know. But when we need a shooting guard, so it would make sense. Um, Harrison Barnes is obviously available. One of the big oh god, yeah. Let's discuss Harrison Barnes. One of the bigger names to talk. One of the the bigger lesser names, I think we should say. Um, yeah. Do you want to pay that guy a hundred million, considering what just happened in the NBA Finals? No, I, I don't. <laughs> you sure about that? I'm positive Golden State are the only team who the money they have for Harrison Barnes can only go to Harrison Barnes. They can't give it to any other player. So the only team that could max him and should max him is Golden State. But if you've got a chance at Kevin Durant, obviously you don't do that. No. I just don't see why you'd keep Barnes after that performance in the playoffs. You had Steph struggling. You had Clay struggling. You needed Barnes to step up, and he crapped the bed. I'd let him walk, and I bet he goes to New Orleans because Gentry knows him and thinks he's going to fix him. I think he'll end up... I've seen a lot of rumours that um, the Sixers want him because obviously they've got rid of Hinky, and Colangelo is going to try and be a bit more, you know, try, well, and, actually. try and actually win some games. Um, but they've, they've just drafted a small forward, and they already have Robert Covington, and Dario Saric can play small forward. How many friggin' bigs do they want? Maybe they'll move him to the two. I'm I'm not sure because he's too small. I mean, the interest is very strong. You know, I'm just going on what Mark Stain and yeah, no, I read it earlier said, today. I just don't think it makes sense. I don't get it either, but I think it will happen because they drafted Lawawu as well, which really annoyed me. And Corkmas too, don't forget. Yeah, they drafted Furkan, who's a hell of a shooter. I just don't see where he fits in unless they move one of the bigs they've got. Because it just, they've got a logjam and it makes no sense. I don't think they should be going after free agents because some people are saying, oh, they should go for Mike Conley, but they've already got their primary ball handler. They just drafted him, Ben Simmons. So why would you take the ball out of his hands? I, if they want a point guard, they should go for someone who's more happy to be second, like, I don't know, Jeremy Lin, Tyler Johnson, someone like that who's happy to play off the ball. I, I don't think they should be in for any free agents. They don't need them. They need to sit down and get this young talent and get them better. Completely. This actually goes off what Matt, uh, well, not Matt, uh, yeah, Bates, apologies, uh, <laughs> said on a podcast in the past. He said that like after the hinky firing, he said that Colangelo's going to come in and he's going to look great because the process is finally going to pay off. They're going to have this amazing draft, which they did, getting Simmons, Lawalu and Korkmaz. They, they had the best draft for me and, I, and I, there were some pretty good drafts. And then they're going to get they could get any free agent because of the amount of money they've got. I just, I just think I agree with Joe. It's just like, why try and get the eighth seed now when you can develop this talent and get a top two seed in three, four years' time? Because their, their young talent is that good. It's as good as anybody in the league. We shall wait and see. 
you never know with the NBA. Stuff always gets in the way. You know, injuries, career, you know, career-ending injuries. It, it, you just don't know what you're going to get in this day and age. The amount of games that the teams play, you know, the off-the-court issues with like the likes of Jihil Okafor last year in Boston, um, getting fights and things like that. I just don't think you can account for that, and I don't think anything is set, which is why there is such a huge emphasis on draft night or before draft night to trade your pick to to get yourself an established star. Um, but yeah, that, that's a whole different podcast. Um, Dion Waiters, a guy who was a revelation during the NBA playoffs for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they forgive his defensive lapses and his hero ball offense. Um, he, he could get 40 odd million this summer, which is kind of weird and kind of scary. New York. <laughs> I would love to see him in New York. You got Derek, cause Derek Rose isn't much of a shooter. And Hornacek needs a shooter at one of the two guard positions. He could go in and he could fill that role. I'm not even joking. I, I, he already looks good in orange and blue because he played at Syracuse. So he's got <laughs> that down. I, I honestly think he could go there, be a starting shooting guard for them, and he could play pretty well. Laugh at me all you want, Knicks fans. I know I'm going to get hate on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I guess we should probably jump on to like the second team, if there is a second team of draft, uh, of, of, um, free agents, sorry. Um, Jeff Green, no doubt there's going to be a team that falls in love with him again, because that's just what happens. You know, eight years in the NBA and you, you jump around. I think he's done five different teams, four different teams now. Um, which is scary, but <laughs> he's obviously good. I, he'll end up somewhere. I just don't know where. So some, some poor soul will jump on him again this summer. I, I just don't think he's very good. But yeah, you said that. He'll still get signed. There's, there's it, someone will fall in love with him. It, it, it baffles me. I don't know what he does. <laughs> he's the, Didn't the Clippers give up a first-round pick for him and he was supposed to spark yeah. their bench into life? That didn't happen, did it? He's like he's not been good anywhere. But you're right. Someone will, It'll probably be Sacramento. I, I just love, I love linking bad free agents to Sacramento because you know it's probably going to happen. Yeah, it's just going to fill up on all the, the sort of guff, effectively, which is a bit worrying. Um, Brandon Jennings is another one for me. He's available a few years ago. This was a guy everyone was going about being, being a, as being a superstar. Um, obviously comes off the back of a ruptured, ruptured, uh, ruptured Achilles tendon. Um, so that's not great, but he's still 26 years old. Um, and he made an all-star roster once. So is he worth a gamble? Um, I think he's worth a gamble as a backup. He he can score. I think he's kind of in, he's improved his efficiency in recent years. But I no, think it, it was never going to take much, was it? No, no, certainly not. I think he has to be a backup now, though. I don't think he can justify being a starter unless he's on a really good team where you know he's playing like a Mario Chalmers from the Heat days type role, where he is just being a spot up shooter in the corner. That's the only fit I think he's got these days. No, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up somewhere like New Orleans, just because it would help out with the whole point guard guard situation they've got going on there. But I, I, I just don't see anybody being that willing to give him that, give him the cash that he's gonna he's gonna want. There's quite a few free agents this year who I'm not really too sure who's gonna like Joachim Noah, for example. Like he's 31, did not have a great season at all. Is gonna want max money. I think the the Wizards nearly gave him 120 million. Um, which is ridiculous, but the guy had season-ending shoulder uh, had a season-ending um, shoulder surgery last year. 
he's kind of looked bad the last few years. It's almost as if Thibodeau sort of run him into the ground. Ronda as well. Ronda's one of those guys who just sort of sits in the middle of a neutral field and you don't know, like you'll get the production from him, but you, you don't know whether it's wor- worth the risk of all the off the court issues and, and stuff like that. He just has no sort of place. In fact, it's like what you were saying with Jeff Green. He's one of those guys who's got no place in the league as it stands at the moment. Like who's going to go out and, you know, put their hat on and put their house on signing a guy who could probably like, you know, piss your teammates off and rip your team chemistry apart. Brooklyn yeah. should. They haven't got a team. Yeah, he wants to be a star. Like if he if he wants to be the one guy, like Brooklyn is the most natural fit. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, he's he's already said that he'd consider Brooklyn. They've literally got no point guard on their team at the moment, and they've only got one other star you could call him in Brook Lopez. So why wouldn't you go there? I mean, I don't see uh, Brooklyn have cap room now. They need to get somebody. They're obviously going to have to overpay people. You may as well overpay Rondo and just ride that because they're not going to compete the next, what, three or four years? Yeah. So why not use that time, get a point guard, and develop other positions, and then maybe in the future they can draft a point guard because they're not going to be good. It's going to be a while before they get good anyway. Um, guys, is there anything you want to bring up before we call this a quits because I don't want to run on? Not, not really. No, we've got the KD question out of the way. We've got the draft out of the way. I think we've done a fairly precise, con- concise job considering there's a hell of a lot of free... There's a lot more free agents than we've talked about. If you want a list, you can go on the NBA website. <laughs> um, our website, as always, is doubleclutchpodcast.co.uk. You might not be able to get onto it when you next try and get onto it just because I'm doing a little bit of reworking of the site, just trying to make it a bit more user-friendly, a little bit more modern. Um, maybe try and make it a little more of a place where people are actually going to go and and comment and be a bit more interactive with us. Um, obviously, if you do want to be interactive with us, Twitter's the best place to be. Hashtag NBA in the UK. Um, we'll be there all off season. We'll have pods all off season. It's the best time of the year, guys, isn't it? Really, for podcasts. Definitely, because you get to come on, you get to talk drafts, uh, uh, drafts, and and trade theories and free agency th- theories and all kinds of stuff. Um, we'll have a look and see if it's worth bringing um, one of the state of the franchise pods back as well. Focus on a specific. NBA franchise and go over a little bit of their history and then go on a little bit of their prospects. Um, as I said last time, we will be working throughout the summer on the 2016 uh, to 17 regular season guide, which we'll have up in time for the new year. Um, if you haven't liked us on Facebook, please go and like us on Facebook. I think it's facebook.com forward slash double clutch UK. And if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, please leave us a a nice review. We appreciate all of them. They get us way up the rankings and that makes a huge difference. Um, so we'll be back at some point, probably next week, when we'll have some free agency stuff to discuss, but maybe. Just just before we go, just a little bit of quick fun. If you've got a state where KD ends up by the next time we do a podcast, where is it? Oklahoma City. Uh, well, Miami Heat, Florida. Um, okay, I was just gonna, go, I'm going to go out there and say New York. Just because I can. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on that bombshell, we'll catch you soon. Bye, guys.